0: Did you know that the U.S. has more adult singles uh, than any other nation in the world except for China and India? Did you also know that, according to CNN, over half of the American population over the age of 18 are single? That's 96 million Americans. So um, of those percentage there, if you parse that a little bit further, of those, 61% have never said, I do. 24% are divorced, 15% are are, um, widowed. Now, however you analyze this data, there's a whole lot of singles that are out there. But do you know the most surprising statistic of all is that 100% of us will live our lives single again. Now, just to prove this point, uh, if you're next to your spouse, would you just grab their hand for just a moment? Grab their hand for just a moment because... You need to realize that sometime in the future either one of you will either be single again or dead, and I'm not talking about through divorce or through murder. You will be single again because you will fulfill that covenant until death do us part. And one of you will die before the other. And for the other one that did die, guess what happens to you? If you've done your good job and by the grace of Jesus Christ, you're on the up and right trajectory. And you're before the pearly gates, you're going to go into heaven, guess what? As a single person. And that's a huge revelation for some, that in heaven there is no marriage. But Jesus talked about it a couple different times. Most specifically, Matthew 22 and Mark 12. Matthew 22, he says this. um, This is the thing I just did not want to ever have to do, but i got to do it now. (laughs) For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Marriage is a temporal institution. It's God-originated, God-ordained, certainly God-blessed. It's critical for his plan here on earth, but it is an earthly institution. So in time, we will all return to a single status. And this is a huge thing that makes this message about singleness relevant to everyone in this room and I'm gonna guess unless you're in a particularly miserable relationship you don't regularly think about your life as single uh, after marriage but are you prepared for that eventuality just as we would never want to send our children out uh, overly dependent once we release them into adulthood we don't want to create emotionally crippled spouses on the other side of our deaths so married people I encourage you to pay attention this will apply to you today but it is a message about celebrating singleness, and yet celebration and singleness don't go together for some. They spend too much time preoccupied with the thought of getting into a relationship or getting married. I know others who wear their singleness tragically around them, or they abuse God's gift. They exploit their singleness in selfish ways. They use it as an excuse to live out their lives immaturely, immorally. And it's destructive. It's heartbreaking. And I'm standing before you today not as the most gifted communicator on our staff. I will tell you, I am not. But I am here because of the testimony of my life. A life that's well known to many of you because it's been publicly lived out these past 26 years. And as many of you know, I was a single guy until age 42. And in those decades, God revealed a lot to me that I want to share with you today today. And this is the first thing. One is a whole number. Now, I shared this with my wife in advance. wanted her to get a feel for that. And her response to me was, Todd, don't get too cliched. Which I want to tell you, when you are single, one of the benefits is that you don't have to listen to your spouse's opinions (laughs) on things. I did try to find another way to say it, but it's absolutely true listen you came out of the womb as one whole intact human being god made it very clear that your value as a person is is as one and your ability to find contentment it has nothing to do with your marital status you are image barriers of god And God speaks about this abundantly throughout Scripture. One of my favorite passages is Psalm 139. You need to read Psalm 139 in its entirety, but we're just going to insert ourselves right there at verse 13. Listen to this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works wonderful I know that full well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place when I was woven together in the depths of the earth your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be Isn't that awesome? (laughs) That's just so powerful. You were made whole and complete and good, and you will return, through the grace of Jesus Christ, a whole and complete individual to him. Now, I don't know the mystery surrounding uh, the familiarity that we will have with our wives and with uh, our spouses, our children in heaven. I just know that as good as it seems right here, what we will experience in heaven will be far better but it will be outside the context of this earthly institution of marriage as we understand it today. We start as one soul, and we end as one soul. And there's broad application to this, because our identity was never intended to be tied up into the label of being married or being single. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. And yet, too often we tie up our sense of wellness in the fact that we're married, or the fact that we are not married. Uh, or we look at the people who aren't married, particularly and we see an incompleteness in them. And so we're guilty of saying things like, oh, don't worry, your prince charming will come. Or the one I used to hear on a regular basis is like, um, you're not getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrate your oneness. One is a gift. The Bible talks about singleness as a gift. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 7 that God gives some the gift of marriage and to others the gift of marriage of singleness, different gifts, but both great blessings. And again, Paul, who you have to remember was a single person himself, said, I speak to those who are married and those who are also widows. It's good for you to stay single like me. And he goes on to talk about the benefits of being a a single person. As he says down there in verse 32, he says, when you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate simply on pleasing the master. Marriage involves So many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other. The unmarried can spend becoming whole and holy instruments of God. You have a gift. Maybe temporary. Maybe for a season of life. It may be lifelong. We don't know. You don't know. Just enjoy what it is. And if you look at singleness as anything but a gift, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities and blessings. You will be very tempted to want to live out what we would call a temporary lifestyle, living in limbo, where you'll miss out on the present. You won't enjoy what you have right now because it's not exactly what you want. You'll be unable to enjoy a friendship with the opposite sex because it's not romantic You can't enjoy dating because it isn't marriage. You won't enjoy being a part of a small group or even coming to weekend worship because as you scan around the room, you won't find a prospective date. I found it so distressing to learn by some data this week that over 60% of singles who visit a church will move after six months because they don't find any future prospects. limbo. You don't make any long-range plans because you're waiting for the big event, marriage. Life is on hold, and living in a limbo is such a shame because all the blessings that are here today. I think of it like a a single man who might go out and he would buy a house, but he wouldn't buy any furniture because he knows whatever he'd buy, his future wife wouldn't like it. Yeah, it's kind of cute. There's, There's an application for marriage here as well. How many of our lives are lived Too much in limbo, waiting for the next episode, the next chapter. When I get my diploma, then. When uh, I, I graduate from college, then. When I find that right job, then. When I get the promotion and the raise, then we'll be there. And then, you know, when we have children, then things will be where. And then, you know, you move on to later stages. And if we get that cancer report, or get that report back and it's not cancer, then. And life is just lived, waiting for the next chapter that we never enjoy fully today waiting is a gnawing thing on the soul don't take paul's words lightly i mean here was a man who was living out a sentence in jail and he could say with all sincerity i've learned to be content whatever the circumstances now notice he said he learned to be content because contentment is a learning exercise and learning doesn't come easy. So what can we learn here? We can learn that contentment can be had in all seasons. If you're single, great. If you're married, that's awesome. There's nothing incomplete in either model. They are gifts from God and we need to embrace it to the full, okay? Wonderful gift. One is a whole number. Sorry, Amanda. It's just got a way it's got to be said today. All right. Now, Another observation uh, as a single man that I uh, was as a single man, I can share with you my reflections. And that is that uh, there are liabilities to being single, to being just one. It would be dishonest of me if I were just a sugarcoat and say that every part of the single life was easy, perfect, and ideal. It's not true. And there are very good reasons why Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3 said that two are better than one. Because when one falls, there's the other one to pick them up. We all need to lean on someone when life threatens to knock us down. And I don't have to think too far back um, to remind myself of the daily challenges of being single. But I can celebrate that even with those challenges, there were Christ solutions and joys I could experience. One of the needs I had was for, for community. It's a very natural need that all singles have. think about this you may have not looked at from this way but where does a single person go to vent when they had a rough day at work or even if it was a good day how about they had an unpleasant conversation with a family member where do you go to process if you're like me today you, you have a spouse you're blessed to have a wife like mine and she has a great way of taking those things that sort of seem like they're big to me and bringing them into a reasonable and manageable context and I say thanks honey but if you don't have a ready counselor, often what you do is you go home, you know, grab something out of the fridge, you go to bed, and you sit there and you stew about it all night. And then things that were relatively small problems become fixated, large issues. And this was a big problem for me as a single person. And anybody who was a staffer on our team back in the day knew that I needed a lot of process time. Because we are, by design, communal people and we're dependent on others for emotional health god lives in community with himself father son and holy spirit he wired us to want to live in community together as well and this is important you may be single but you don't have to be alone paul was a single man he was rich in relationships he counted as many ministry partners as his dearest friends He called one Onesimus' very heart. He often spoke of the affection of the community that he found in the church families, in the Philippi in particular. And I want to stand in front of you and tell you that God blessed me with a fantastic community in this church. Came right out of here. Many of those people were married families, but they invited me into their lives. They allowed me to enjoy their families, and they made it natural for me to engage in all the natural chapters of their lives, and for over a decade, we shared ministries together. We went on short-term mission trips. Uh, we went on vacations together. My accountability system came out of the group of men from that bunch. And those are the people where I found the relationships that gave me the, the space to be able to process and get perspective. And they poured wisdom in my life. And I'd like to think that um, they would agree that I contributed meaningfully into their lives as well. It was a beautiful thing. Because our relationships weren't built around being married or being single. It was built around wanting to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We found the common ground in our faith. And Whether you're married or whether you're single, think about how many issues we do have in common. We all deal with contentedness and holiness, learning learning to love and appreciate ourselves, to be selfless, to live out life in the fullness of Christ, to master the fruits of the Spirit. And married people, I'm asking you to open up your lives and invite the single people in your community into your world. Now, it doesn't mean you have to involve them in extra activities. Just include them in what you're already doing. And singles, don't edit yourself out of these relationships just because they're married. In another word for our married friends, we're talking about this subject. Consider that this is a message that we all need to be reminded of. Because there is a difference between feeling lonely and the reality of being alone. And I know plenty of married people who are lonely. Loneliness is just the absence of intimacy. But you don't have to be alone. We all have Jesus Christ. And we all have Christian community. Now, another vulnerability that uh, I experienced as a single man, and and, uh, I'm gonna be a little transparent here, um, but it's it's a real issue, and it's the natural desires of biology. As contented as I was as a single man, I I always lived with the reality that my body was designed for sexual intimacy, that there were good desires that were placed inside of me because of a divine architect, placed there so that I would be motivated to be fruitful and multiply, It was a little latent at times, but it's there anyway. Sometimes those desires were fierce. Um, The opportunities to divert those desires into non-God honoring or selfish ways are abundant. But God's design doesn't allow that. So this was an ongoing struggle, but it was a manageable struggle because of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters that are single, that are a part of Jesus Christ, you need to remember that you are fully redeemed and renewed people. You are responsible with your sexuality. God has a standard that has your best interest in order, and you need to be resolved to defer your sexual activity into the context of marriage. And there are a dozen non-biblical but very practical reasons for this. And I've talked about those before. I'll counsel you about them life on life here. But for today, I just would like to let the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 stand as your challenge. Look at this with me. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As it's written in Scripture, the two become one. And since we want to become spiritually one with the Master, We must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. That was from the message interpretation. I really like how it articulates that. And Paul goes on in chapter seven to say, now getting down to the question you asked in your letter to me, is it good to have sexual relations? Certainly but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Authority of God's word. Which is a great transition to lead me into another revelation I have uh, about singleness. Is that if you are single, it's okay to want to be a duo. It's okay. Lucy Swindle is a lifelong single, and she did her own paraphrase of Jesus' words in Luke nine twenty three, where she said, if any man wants to come after me, no. let him. <laughs> 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 Marriage is a good thing. It's a gift from God. It- and if it's a desire of your heart, then you go after it. You start dating in God-honoring and healthy ways. There's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And all my single years as a single guy, um, I did date some, and I was a lousy dater. And to all of you in this church family that were victims... I stand before you, and I publicly apologize. <laughs> but I had some legitimate issues. My problem was I just wasn't ready for it for a couple of reasons. I did struggle with my self-image. When, when you spend your whole life a foot higher and a foot wider than everyone else, <laughs> you tend to have self-body images, and, and I edited myself out of some opportunities because I didn't feel very marketable. And I needed to work through that, and I did. Obviously not through weight loss and exercise, but I, I processed, <laughs> processed through that. <laughs> uh, I'm not bragging about that. I don't think it's a great, I'm not ever gonna do a great story and testimony about you know, weight loss here. But I, I, um, anyhow, I had to work through some things. Probably the bigger issue for me was the matter of priorities. I was very consumed with my work in ministry, and I remember uh, going out on a date one time with a lady, uh, and when it came time to schedule a second date, I, I couldn't find another evening available for three and a half weeks. And she just sighed, and she looked at me, and she says, you know, you don't really want a date. And uh, she said, when you're ready maybe come back and give me a call. And I didn't like what she had to say, but she was right. I needed to be available. Dating is a process. It requires time and attention, and we must give it those margins. And there are other reasons. I know of others who don't go out and put themselves out there for fear of rejection, or or, or they're dealing with some sort of uh, identity issues. There are others who grew up in homes where they saw marriage poorly modeled and they're resolved that they just don't want to recreate what they grew up with. And these are legitimate hang-ups, and often they require emotional homework. Go and talk candidly with a pastor. Go talk with a, a counselor. You can even talk with your small group about some of these issues, and I think you'll find some good advice and wisdom there. But when you are ready to go into a relationship, consider this before you begin. Know what you're looking for. I ran into some of our widow ladies at a and They were sitting there around the table a couple months ago, and I was teasing them about manhunting, and one of them piped up and said, well, you know what we're really looking for in a man, don't you? And I said, no, why? She says, one that can drive at night. <laughs> Good for them. They got a target they can aim for. How about you what are you looking for does your list reflect God's standards are you living up to the expectations that you expect out of another this isn't about whether you both like sports or the same kind of music this is about whether you are mutually hungering after God in the same spirit it's about having the same spiritual goals as you it's about being equally yoked and once you know what you're looking for Then go looking for it in the right places. Meet people in the places that reflect what is important to you. I I met my wife on a short-term mission trip. I followed a a four-year friendship inside of a small group Bible study before it turned into what it is today. Are you seeking a woman after God's heart? You're probably not going to find her at Hooters. Hooters. I didn't even know how I said that right. Hooters. (laughs) It's like Billy Graham, didn't I? Hooters. (laughs) No, you know, I, I meet singles, and they tell me they go to bars, they don't like bars, they have no desire to ever be in a bar, but they go hoping to find someone else who doesn't like bars and has no desire to go to bars. It's a wish fulfillment that's in a doom loop, it's never gonna succeed. Let me just throw an alternative suggestion for you out there. Ladies, you wanna find a hard-working man? Volunteer with Community One. You're gonna find a guy who knows how to strip off a roof and put one back on. Man, you're looking for a woman, good with children. Volunteer in the nursery. You're looking for someone with a sense of adventure? Serve on a short-term mission trip. A servant's heart? Volunteer at a local mission. Someone that's playful, young at heart, and maybe borderline emotional issues, be a youth sponsor. (laughs) Okay. You see how that goes? Do the things that matter to you, and you'll likely find the soulmate doing the same kind of things. Look in the right places. And once you're looking in the right places, then be the kind of person others are looking for. Don't wait until tomorrow to advance your personal development. There's an attitude that thinks that when I find Mr. and Mrs. Wright, then I'll get my act together, I'll go to church, and I'll clean up my bad habits. And this is a horrible idea. Well, let's just assume for a moment that you are in an active search for Mr. and Mrs. Wright, and you do find them, and you, do you really think that they're going to be interested in a, a foul mouth drinking drinking-and-chewing, overweight workaholic slob? There is wisdom to the advice to be those things that you desire most in another. And while you're in the middle of all this, be patient with the process. Can you be content with a timeline that's not your own? Can you be okay with with getting a, a few no's? Can you enjoy the process and just have fun with it, go with it? There's something very unattractive about a desperate single. No one likes that kind of pressure. And there's an art to seeking and pursuing and desiring without becoming desperate, frantic, and pushy. And just let me say this. Don't settle. Don't settle for less than God's standard or is best for you. And we do that sometimes, singles, when we're so hungry for a relationship, you can be tempted to settle for anything, anyone that will ease your hunger pains. It's like going to the grocery store on an empty stomach. What do you do? You just find yourself starving and, and you fill up the cart with junk. I, I, it's not empirical data, but I got to guess that three quarters of the marriage counseling we do here can be traced back to the compromises made too quickly and too easily in the relationship process. And fair warning to our friends that are currently in a dating relationship. You've been dating for a while. You really care for this person, but be careful that you're not settling. You know that you're two people that care for each other, but you're working on two different sets of blueprints. You're unequally yoked, and it won't work. You won't agree on the basic principles of life or what's important, how to handle finances or how to raise kids. You won't be able to share all that you want to share about what God's doing in your life if they're outside of Christ it's is this true of you right now if that's the case you need to end the relationship it's not judging or saying that you're better than them it's just being the first to recognize that this is an incompatible situation Okay, as we move beyond that, it's okay to date. If you're one, it's okay to be a duo. I really wanted to share my favorite revelation, the thing I celebrated the most about being a single to the very last because I was most excited about something really worth celebrating, and it's this. As a single person, you have tremendous potential for impact. Perhaps the most precious thing I learned as a single man is how much positive good you can do in your world. I think about multitude of single people who I respect, people who are confident in their own skin, who have made tremendous positive influence. I think of public servant and devoted Christian Condoleezza Rice and Christian musician Rich Mullins and one of the greatest philosophers of our age, Henry Nowen. Closer to home and, and within our own church family, I think of one of my best buddies, one of our very own, Eric Cummings, who was a devoted, faithful, single man until he was age 47. Think of Katie DeFries, a beautiful and gifted doctor living in Africa. Stephanie Barron, just a real sweetheart of a lady, beautiful lady in Africa, rescuing abused and neglected children straight off the streets. These are amazingly wonderful people anyone else would be privileged to call them a life partner, but they've set aside their personal ambitions of marriage in favor of being married to Christ and his work. And it may be for a season, it may be a lifetime call, but they're willing to do that for the cause of Christ. Our newest pastor, Patrick Garcia, told me this statement this week, and I thought it was really good. Being married helps you be like Christ, while being single frees you up to serve like Christ. Boy, is that true. There was something very special about being available at any hour to help someone in need. I could, I could spend multiple evenings out serving others, enjoying small group communities, volunteering and contributing. In those years, I got to travel to over 30 different countries to be part of startup mission projects. It was rich and rewarding work. Now today, my life looks a little different because of the covenants I've made with my wife and with my kids. I do not regret that. I hope you don't hear any part of that. It's been beautiful. But the opportunities that I had to serve the way I did as a single person aren't nearly as frequent. My time is limited, and I'm differently focused. I love my current assignment. It's a gift. And I love that assignment as a single man. It was a gift, too. And as I reflect on our seasons of life in this room today, married and single, as I look at that from both sides now, I believe that I was most content then as a single man and most content today as a married man when I wasn't thinking about who was going to be there for me, but when I was thinking about ways I could be there for others. I wonder today if you're willing to consider the possibility that God has a special identity for you, a unique identity that's not labeled by single or married, but a person whose identity is found in loving and following Jesus Christ and encouraging others to do the same.